like to welcome you here this morning. Many of you come in for our homecoming, see some familiar faces. It's great to have you here this morning. Today after the service, we're going to have a membership class, and that means that you can come and check out and learn more about the church. Consider joining the church. It's going to be at the church offices. There's maps in the, in the, in the foyer out here. I, t- I tell you what, there are people of different ages, different stages in life, even students. This is a church you can join. You can be part of when you're here. The, the years you're here in Evanston, I want to encourage you to do that. And so that'll be after the service. We'll give you some free lunch and just come on down to the church offices. The, the maps are out there in the, in the foyer. I really feel like something's going to happen here of significance this morning as we get into God's Word. I'm not quite sure what, but I'm going to pray. So let's do that. Father, I just ask that you would move by the power of your Holy Spirit to renew us, not to some heightened emotionalism, but to the normal, radical life of following Jesus. Some of us have been coasting and drifting for a while. We come here as complacent people, and I just ask that through your word this morning, you would awaken us. Though we may not be expectant, Lord, may you blow us away. Do something significant here so that we give you all the glory with our lives. Do something here now, Lord, we beg of you. In Christ's name, amen. We're going to the book of Proverbs right now, and we find ourselves in chapter 1, if you want to go ahead and turn there. We already covered 1 through 7. If you were here, we were asking the question, is it wise? We want to ask that question, is it wise, before we make any decisions. And then when we went through verses 8 through 19 in chapter 1, we learned about not pursuing unjust gain. And this morning, we're going to hear the speech of a, what is considered here woman wisdom as she tries to wake up the complacent. So let's go ahead and stand as I read our passage this morning. <clears throat> Proverbs 1, starting in verse 20. Listen as I read. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gate, she speaks. How long, O oh simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded. Because you have ignored all my counsel, would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have the fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure, will be at ease without dread of disaster. You may be seated.
Over the past couple of months, my wife has been doing something called paloxing. Now, before I tell you what that is, I want to see a show of hands. Has anybody ever done paloxing before? Oh, there's actually some out there. I see that. Well, paloxing is actually a combination of Pilates and boxing. I have no idea how it started. Maybe there was during a, a Pilates class, a fight broke out, and someone thought, paloxing. And so it's a very creative class, and I, I, I'm, I'm very impressed with my wife doing that. But, but I'm, I'm not as adventurous. But this past week, I actually, for the first time, started taking boxing classes. I know, boxing, yes, me. Can you imagine me as a boxer? Well, I was taking these boxing classes, and I don't know what I'm doing, by the way. I'm, I'm flailing my arms. I have very little footwork, and at one point, I thought I was going to be very sick. But there is one thing I've picked up on in boxing. It's almost kind of like a no-brainer. When you go to fight, and, and, and just, it's a class. I'm not sparring with anybody, but if you go to fight, when you show up to fight, you, you've got to have your hands up. You've got to keep your guard up. You cannot go into a fight all complacent with your hands down because you will get clocked, you will get jacked, you will get knocked out. So at least I'm learning that much about boxing. You have to keep your guard up. Now, now boxing is, is just this wonderful metaphor for life that's actually used in the Bible. I don't know if you know this, but the Apostle Paul refers to boxing in the Bible. And when he refers to it, it's talking about, you know, basically fighting the fight of faith, fighting against sin, uh, beating his own body, making it obedience to the gospel, obedience of following the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we are all to be boxers who are fighting the fight of faith. But what happens when you try to engage life, follow the Lord, and this is what you're doing? Your hands are down, you're complacent, you're unguarded, you're not paying attention. What happens, that's going to make you vulnerable. It's going to be making you vulnerable to be knocked out and clocked by sin. And some of you have experienced this. Maybe it was a time where you were unguarded and you were naive in your spending and now you have significant debt. Or maybe it was a time where you were unguarded and reckless with your words and they hurt others. Or maybe you have been unguarded and unconcerned about your poor dating standards and they have led to shame. There are times that that happens in all of our lives where we become unguarded, we put our hands down and we become complacent and we're open to a variety of problems. And many of you are living it and what's unfortunate Many of you, it happens all the time. It's not like you just got hit once. Some of you just get hit over and over and over again. What's going on? So my question to you is this. In what area of your life right now, not last week, not a few months from now, but right now, in what area of your life are you complacent? In what area of your life are you not paying attention? You're uncommitted when you should be committed. You're slacking off when you should be all in. In what area of your life right now are you complacent? And and don't be saying, well, I'm sure glad you're preaching this message because so-and-so needs to hear it. No, don't play that game. 
where are you complacent in your life right now? Thankfully, what we're going to see happen in the Word of God this morning is God is going to use through the book of Proverbs this imagery of a woman. And this woman is going to jack you up before you get into a fight and get knocked out. She's going to try to get your attention and jar your complacency. So it's not going to be a pretty picture, especially if you ignore her. So as we get into the Word of God this morning, we want to be awakened to walking in the way of wisdom. So let me just kind of give you some structure of where I'm going so you can be organized with me. I'll put it up here on the screen so you can know how we can work through this passage. We're going to see an urgent appeal to the complacent. Then we're going to see the inevitable consequences for the complacent. And then you're actually going to have to reflect on what we're saying, and you're going to have to decide. There's not going to be a walking away from here. You're going to like, you will have to decide what you're going to do. So let's start with the first part, the urgent appeal to the complacent. Now, I want to catch all of you up. Now, I know some of you are new, but I want to catch you up. The context of Proverbs basically is, is a young man being addressed by his parents, primarily the dad, on how he can walk in wisdom. And we know this is God's word addressing us as his children on how we can walk in wisdom. Now, this father is, is very creative. If you were with us two weeks ago, we saw the dad act like a gangster. Remember that? He's acting like a gangster because he doesn't want his son to join a gang. So he tells his son, this is what a gangster is going to sound like to try to lure you in. Well, this week we have a depiction of another person. It's not a gangster, but it's a woman. And this woman's name is Wisdom. And it's like the father says, come here, son, come here. I want to introduce you to this woman. Now, she's going to yell at you, but she's really good. And it's for your good. She's going to yell a lot, but just get over that and listen to what she has to say. So here we go with verse 20. Let's learn what woman wisdom has to say. Verse 20. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. So wisdom is personified as a woman, and she is addressing all these passerbys in this intersection filled with people in the street and in the market where goods are sold and bought and in the city gates where legal judgments were made. It's like just kind of have this image of Michigan Avenue in downtown Chicago, what is just packed. And so woman wisdom is seen as like a street preacher. She is crying aloud. She's shouting with reproof, with counsel, with mocking. And people are going about their business, and they're generally ignoring her. I remember when I did street preaching, I lived in California, we lived in Santa Monica. I would go on the Third Street Promenade, which is this area in Santa Monica, which is just packed full of people, and I would have a microphone, and I was preaching my heart out, and people were generally ignoring me. And that's what's going on here. She's being ignored by the, by the masses. But woman wisdom has one group in particular in mind that she's going after, and that group is called the simple ones. Look at verse 22. She's trying to get the simple ones' attention. Verse 22. How long, O oh simple ones, would you love being simple? 
How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Scholars point out that this woman is, 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 is going after the simple ones in a hope that they'll embrace, women, embrace wisdom. It's not the scoffers and it's not the fools. She's not addressing scoffers and fools because the scoffers and fools, if you read through the book of the Proverbs, they're, they're kind of beyond hope. Their hearts are so hardened, they will not respond to the message of wisdom. So she's speaking to the simple ones because she does not want the simple ones to end up like the scoffers and the fools. So she's trying to get their attention. Now, who are the simple ones? If I called you a simple one and I was referring to you, like, what would that mean? So try to catch this. The simple ones are the complacent. Sometimes they're immature, naive, apathetic, gullible, just generally uncommitted. And and the problem with the simple ones is that they're kind of drifting and coasting along in life. And and somebody's put it this way. It's like they do not live with urgency. There's just no urgency in their life. So they're not as far gone as the fools and the scoffers, but they're, they're kind of just there. They're, they're just complacent. Did, did I just describe your life? There's just no urgency. They're just living, doing your thing. And some of you have this, this complacent relationship with the Lord. Maybe over the summer you were fired up for Jesus. Maybe some of you went on summer projects, mission trips. You, you were so fired up, and you came back in the fall, and now you're just kind of coasting. <laughs> and some of you have been coasting for months. Some of you have been coasting in your walk with the Lord for years. There's just no urgency. You're, you're, you're not trying to address the sins and the issues in your life. You're not trying to hear from God and take great steps of faith. You're just kind of there. You're coasting. You're complacent. There's this huge disconnect between you and God. And so let me ask you a question. If you find yourself here this morning and you're complacent, I want to ask you a very simple question. Why would you ever want to stay there? Why do you want to remain in your complacency? Well, how would you want to do that? And so since in Proverbs we're trying to get at the heart of what's going on inside of us, I'm going to go ahead and answer it for you. I think the reason that most of us want to stay in complacency is because the status quo is easy. It's easy to keep coasting in your status quo because if you want to break out of your complacency, you will have to deal with some hard issues in your life. It will be a hard road ahead. If you want to actually walk in wisdom, it's not going to be easy. And so you're just like, you know what? I don't want to mess with that. I don't want to mess with issues. I just kind of want to stay right here in my complacency because complacency has a lot of perks, right? Here are the perks of complacency. Just kind of check these out. Here are some perks of complacency. Number one, you don't have to deal with stuff. Number two, it's less work. Number three, you don't have to face the future. And number four, you can just settle in and not deal with anything. It's just easier. So some of you, I mean, I I kid you not, you have an addiction in your life. Call it what you want. Call it idolatry. I don't know what you want to call it. And you do not want to deal with it because it would be too hard. And so what are you doing? You're coasting in your addiction. Some of you have relationship problems right now that you need to deal with, 
and you will not deal with them because it's just easier to just let it lie still. And it'll be hard if you actually had to start dealing with it. And so you are content in your complacency. And this woman wisdom calls out to you and she says, excuse me, how long is this going to last? How long, O oh simple ones, are you going to love your simple ways? How long will you continue in your complacency? It's, it's time to wake up. It's time to bust out of this rut. It's time to quit coasting. It's time to quit saying, I am just content, when it's just a naive contentment of not dealing with stuff. How long is this going to last? It's time to change. I mean, if you're just coming to church on Sunday morning because you want to sing little songs and and hear a little motivational message, I'm sorry, you're not going to be motivated here this morning, okay? God's Word is calling us to move, to change, to experience His grace, to address issues in our life, to address coasting in our life. Because He wants us all in, urgent and walking with Him, and walk in the path of wisdom. So as much as I am yelling at you right now, Woman wisdom screams louder. She's trying to get your attention. It's time to turn, to repent, to be all in. Look at verse 23. If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Do you see that if you turn at my reproof? That is a call to repentance. God's word is calling you to turn from your complacent ways, to turn from your sin. Here is what repentance is. You're walking this way. You're following sin. You say, I hate that. I don't want to go that way anymore. You repent. You turn. And you start following God by his grace. And you ask him power. Too many times we think repentance is this. This is what repentance has looked like for some of you. I hate that I'm walking in this way. God, please forgive me. I hate this. And you keep going that way. God, please forgive me. I hate this. It's almost like you're going to a confessional or something. Father, forgive me. I have sinned. You know, you just keep going in that way. You're like, no. If you truly repent, you turn away from the sin and you say, God, give me grace. I want to start walking in this direction. And that is what the call is this morning, to turn, to turn the different direction, to repent, to move away from your complacent ways away from your foolishness, and start to turn toward the path of wisdom. So where do you need to turn? Where do you need to repent? Is, is, is it purity issues? Is it you've coasted into a life of partying? What is it? If you, are you just a lazy person who doesn't want to address it? I mean, what is going on in your life? Where do you need to turn from your complacent ways? But look what the Word of God says if you turn. Look at verse 23 again. Behold. I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. The promise here is that if we turn from our complacent ways, words of wisdom will come to us. The spirit of wisdom will be poured out on us so that we can navigate life. If you turn from your sin and you turn to God on the path of wisdom, God will give you wisdom and power to walk in a glorifying life. I think some of the reasons why some of you don't want to turn from your path of complacency is because you know if you turn around that way, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to leave your life of sin, laziness, complacency behind and go that direction. But the Word of God is very clear. God will give you power. He will give you grace. He will give you insight to follow Him. 
So many times we do not want to turn because even though our complacency is miserable, at least our complacency is doable. Some of us stay in this life just because it's doable. We can pull it off. But if we turn that direction and we start following the Lord, I mean, that's a whole other thing. But God says, I will give you power. And we know that he'll fill us with his spirit. And he'll give us wisdom to walk in his path if we turn. All right, well, what if you don't want to turn? (laughs) What if you're like, you know what? I don't want to deal with that sin. I don't want that relationship fixed right now. It's going to be too much work. Or I don't want to deal with that issue. Like, what if you don't want to turn here this morning? Like, if you're like, no way, I'm not, I'm not turning. I'm, I'm going to keep going. Okay. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just giving you the word. That's my job, right? I'm going to show you the inevitable consequences if you do not turn from your complacent ways. I'm not making this up. This is about to be brutal. Very, very brutal. If you do not turn, here are the inevitable consequences. And it's said in love because God's trying to wake you up. This is a context of love, the father teaching his son. Here we go. Here are the consequences for those who do not repent. Verse 24. Because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded, because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. If you reject, according to this context here, if you reject woman wisdom, woman wisdom will reject you. If you refuse to listen as she stretched out her hand of wisdom, maybe you even laughed when the counsel of God's word came to you. Well, in your calamity, she's now going to laugh at you. Maybe when she stretched out wisdom, you ignored her counsel and you dismissed her proof. Maybe you even mocked wisdom. Well, woman wisdom at this time says she will mock when terror strikes you. When the hurricane of calamity slams into your life and it's your fault, woman wisdom is there on the sideline. She is mocking you. She is laughing at you. And she is rubbing it in. And she's like, I told you so, but you would not listen. Yikes. (laughs) Yikes. <laughs> That's brutal. That is really jarring imagery. It seems like it's really cool, really like really cruel. But the point of this passage is the haunting effects of rejected wisdom. This is the haunting effects of rejected wisdom. You think Halloween is something scary. Halloween's not scary. I was with my kids yesterday at Party City looking at Halloween stuff, and my, my little baby was just crying. He, he wouldn't be quiet. He's all cranky and crying. And when you're a parent, you just kind of look to give kids stuff to calm them down. So I just grabbed something off the shelf. It was like a, a cut-off bloody hand. I gave it to him. Totally calmed them down right there. <laughs> Halloween is not scary. But when you reject wisdom... And you're feeling the effects. It has these haunting effects. And many of you have that story right now of you rejecting wisdom and you're living those consequences right now. And it's, it's very, very painful. 
And you want to push back and go, yeah, but that's, that's what the gospel's all about. And I say, absolutely. Is there grace and forgiveness for your foolishness? Absolutely. Is there a fresh start in Christ? Absolutely. Is there repentance and forgiveness of those who want to turn? Absolutely. But our context here is, hey, don't go back. Don't go there again. It is such a strong warning of rejected wisdom. And she's not done. It, it, gets, it gets worse. Keep looking. Verse 28. Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. So the picture here is that they're feeling the calamity. and They're like, okay, now I want wisdom. <laughs> Give me the wisdom now. I, I want to seek it diligently. <laughs> and wisdom's like, uh-uh, you're not going to find me because you can't undo foolish choices by calling out for wisdom after the fact. Because get this, wisdom is not retroactive. Wisdom is not retroactive. You can't say, okay, I want wisdom now. Now come in and undo all my past sins. No, wisdom is not retroactive. It doesn't work that way. These people here decided that they hated knowledge, would not fear the Lord, rejected the counsel and despised to reproof, and now it's time to feel the full consequences of their foolishness. And we would say, they're reaping what they have sowed. This is the fruit they have chosen to fill their own lives with, and now they're living lives of calamity. There's a passage in Galatians, Galatians 6, 7. Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. If you end up in jail, you can't undo the crime. If you broke a relationship, you can't go back and automatically undo the initial cause. If you've wasted years and decades of your life, you, you can't get a do-over and if you have neglected your children, you can't go back and say, I want those years back. And if you've released reckless words out of your mouth, you can't claim them back. I'm just trying to get you to see that there are real live consequences for rejected wisdom. And I want you to really feel the punches here. This is trying to jar your complacency. It, it's like God's word is trying to wake you up right now before you get further down the road into foolishness. It's trying to jar you out. Trying to just get your attention and say, stop going the direction you're going. By God's grace, turn around, and he'll give you power and strength to follow him. So now we've got to reflect and decide. What are you going to do? Reflect and decide. Verse 32. For the simple are killed by their turning away. And the complacency of fools destroys them. The whole scenario has been a preemptive strike, trying to wake this young man up and almost like scare him 
from a complacent and non-committal life. And he has to reflect, okay, am I going to walk in wisdom or not? And it says very clear here that this is a matter of life or death. When the simple turn away from wisdom, they can be killed just as the complacency of fools destroys them. And you and I know, as we are Christians sitting in here under God's word, that this destruction can mean more than just physical destruction. We know that complacency can also destroy us spiritually, as in eternal destruction. And I'm just wondering, is there anybody in here who has been hearing the word of God, who has been hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he died for sinners to reconcile them to God, and you are at a point in your life where you're just kind of noncommittal. You're complacent. You're just going to kind of ride it out and see what happens. And maybe you're thinking that in the end, everything's going to work itself out. And I want to tell you, in the end, everything will work itself out. But for those who have rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ, it will not work itself out in the way that you want. Because there is real wrath, there is real hell. But now is the time for me to tell you that Jesus Christ really died for complacent sinners. And those who repent and put their faith in Jesus Christ can be forgiven now. And if this is something that you have been ignoring, repenting, following Christ, being all in, serving him, I want to ask you, what's keeping you from committing? Why are you still complacent? Why are you holding out? What would keep you today from putting your faith in Jesus Christ and following him as Lord for the rest of your life? It really is a life and death decision. And I really want to encourage you to no longer put this off, that today is the day you repent and trust Christ. Look at the last verse. There is a different way to go. There is a different path. Finish up with verse 33. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. Doesn't mean difficult things won't happen. Just means the difficult things won't happen because you've been a fool. And it says that those who follow wisdom will have a life of ease, that there will be real ease in the gospel of Jesus. It's not the ease of fools. And I want to kind of leave you with this imagery that kind of Jesus does. You see, the ease of fools is this broad road that leads to destruction. Remember Jesus talked about this wide road, and the people on this wide road of destruction are finding it rather easy to navigate through life and on the way to an eternal hell. But there's this narrow road of following Jesus, and Jesus says, if you follow him on this narrow road, he says, it's going to be hard. And so the question I have is, is it hard or is it easy to follow Jesus? And part of the answer is, it's very, very hard to follow Jesus. But at the same time, Jesus said, my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, which means that there is true security, true peace, true contentment in following Christ. So this is what some of you need to decide this morning. You need to decide if you're going to take the path that is just naively content, continue to follow in your complacent ways, which seems easier, Or are you going to repent, turn to the way which seems harder, and yet, as you walk with the Lord, you will see that there is peace, there is contentment, there is eternal security, and it actually is easier. Which path are you going to choose? The easy path that leads to destruction, or the hard path that is easy, the burden of Christ, and follow him? 
as I started this sermon, I, I started telling you about how um, this week I took boxing classes. And I know that's really hard for some of you to believe, but um, I ended the week taking cage fighting classes. The moral of the story is don't mess with the pastor, all right? I will take you out. Now, I did not learn much about cage fighting. In cage fighting, there's a cage around you, and you're pretty much uh, fighting each other. And I guess I learned how to give some elbows to the face. That was really interesting. Uh, But I I didn't learn much about cage fighting uh, just yet. But there's one thing I learned about cage fighting. It's this. (laughs) You're caged in. (laughs) You're not going to slip through the ropes. (laughs) You're you're in a cage. There's no escape. So you just can't say, you can't just be in there like, I'm, I'm not going to fight. I'm just going to stand here. No, you're going you're gonna to get killed. <laughs> you're going to get clocked because you're stuck. You better fight. You better get ready. There's no complacency. You're in the cage. And I just want to tell you, you may not feel like it, but in, in life, you, you are, you're caged in here. There are issues that you need to deal with, and you may say, well, I'm not going to deal with them. Okay, those issues will deal with you then. There's going to be consequences. I know sometimes we think there's not going to be any consequences. I'm just going to just keep coasting. No, there's consequences. And I know it seems easy now not dealing with stuff, but it's going to be hard in the long run. So let me encourage you today. If you turn from your complacent ways and start to address issues in your life that you need to deal with, and your walk with the Lord, there will be grace. There will be power. There will be mercy. Today's got to be the day you've got to start to deal with some stuff. You cannot continue to coast. My brothers and sisters, don't coast. Today's a turn. Turn to God, find grace, find mercy, and start walking the path of wisdom. Now, the way I'm going to close this is that I'm actually going to lead you through a guided prayer. I'm going to say some things, and you're actually going to pray. I'm going to say some things, and then you'll pray. And this, this is actually saying, you know what? Let's not just address the issues of complacency, but like, where are we going to go with this? How are we going to move? So let's just go to a time of prayer. You can listen, and then you can pray quietly to this guided prayer time. Father, we want to start out by acknowledging that you are sovereign and that you are holy, and there's none beside you, God. We also want to acknowledge that you love us and that you, can, you care for us. And I pray that my brothers and sisters in here right now will, will sense that you really care for them. You really do love them. And as you're sitting there right now, just go ahead and put your finger on the area of your life where you've been complacent, whether it's purity or not dealing with marriage problems or ignoring your relationship, not loving your kids, some financial, maybe lazy with your body, wasting your time, reckless words. Maybe you're, you can't control your fantasies in life. Like where in your life right now have you been complacent? Go ahead and, and, and talk to God and acknowledge that before him.
Now ask God for forgiveness through the finished work of Christ. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him for the power to turn away from this complacent path and to pursue wisdom. Ask him just for that that power where you can feel that freedom and, and walk in his resurrection power. Go and ask God now what you're supposed to do next. What's the next thing you need to do to address this issue? Do you need to call somebody? Do you need to tell your spouse that you want to work on some stuff? you need to write an email and get an accountability partner? Join an ethos group? Maybe you need to spend some time this afternoon in prayer and the Word. What, what do you need to do next? Ask God to show you what you need to do today to start moving away from this complacency and walk in wisdom. Ask Him right now for wisdom what to do. Lord, I just ask you to give my brothers and sisters strength to follow through. Give them a vision to follow through, what it could look like to walk in freedom, to start doing the hard things in life that are actually easier than what they're doing now. Lord, show them the freedom of what it is to follow you and to be totally confessed up and totally open and totally willing to lay down their lives for you. Give them strength to follow you today. Give me strength to follow you today. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.